NEC basketball fans, we are back for this week's NEC On The Run podcast on the NEC Overtime Pod. I'm Ron Ratner with the Northeast Conference. And as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime here, Ryan Peters. You'll find him on Twitter at Pioneer underscore Pride. And you'll see his writing on the NEC Overtime blog. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Are you ready to get going with this week's three-point shot? It's my pleasure. Let's do it. All right, let's get started in Hackensack. Actually, they weren't in Hackensack this week. They were up in New England. FDU now off to a 5-0 start, matching their best, second-best start in uh, program history. Went up to Central Connecticut on Saturday, then Stonehill. They had to dig deep in these games, but they came away with the dubs. Any road sweep is a great sweep in my book. What are your thoughts? Yeah, they've now won six straight games, two hard-fought victories, as you mentioned. And, you know, it's been the same formula for Tobin Anderson's team throughout. Excellent guard play from Roberts and Singleton, a positive turnover margin, and just sound, efficient offensive basketball. You know, against Central, they shot at 59% from two, 48% from three, and 91% from the line. How about that? And then against Stonehill, they scored 22 points off of 15 Skyhawk turnovers, so getting it done with turnover margin there. And they also won the rebounding battle and made their free throws. I mean, it's a 5-0 start for Tobin Anderson in his Northeast Conference career. I mean, Ron, how does that compare to the other great season starts from first-year head coaches? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Ryan, because I did some research today, and the 5-0 start is actually the best start for a first-year head coach when you look at the first five games of NEC play, first 5-0 and uh, coach ever. Uh, behind him, some really good ones. Joe Gallo went 4-1 uh, and one to start his career over the first five games at Merrimack in 2019-20. We had Dan Hurley in 2010-11 at Wagner started 4-1. Um, and one. and Dave McGarity, the great Mar- Marist coach back in 19, um, I think it was 1986-87 um, in his first year there. So uh, some royalty that he's in with here, and we'll see what happens. Um, five and oh, uh, I don't think anybody had that on their dance card when the Knights were predicted sixth in the preseason coaches poll. Yeah, and you know, Gallo actually went 10 and one to start that year. He had a one, one and one loss to Robert Moore, second game, and then just you know, they hit the ground running, ended up winning the regular season title at 14 and four. So that's a good start for, for Fairleigh Dickinson and Tobin Anderson. Certainly Merrimack in 2019-20 is kind of the bar to uh, strive for. Well, things are looking up for the Knights. Let's talk about another team that made its move this week. St. Francis Brooklyn won their first two games. And at two and three right now in the conference, right back in the thick of things. They are back in the thick of it. You know, perhaps most impressive is they kind of came together without their senior leader, Robbie Higgins, you know. They use balance, three-point shooting, and just timely plays in the clutch to kind of push their lead league record to two and three. And you look at the two individual games against Sacred Heart, that was a, you know, offensive blow after offensive blow in the second half. But Larry Moreno with a huge four-point play late to will the Terriers to victory. And then in MLK Day, the Terriers closed on a 7-0 run. Uh, after LIU, you know, Marco Malatich had a, you know, a three to, to put him ahead by one. The Terriers close out strong, do not allow a field goal in the last three minutes from LIU, and they get the victory. And now they are right back in it. That's two and three. By the way, great week for NEC co-player of the week, Tedrick Wilcox Jr. He helped close both those games, had a pair of big dunks 
um, in the end of Saturday's game. And then yesterday he hits the dagger three with a minute and a half to go. Um, I love this confidence in the interview after the game. He said, like, I live for these moments. I was waiting to get the ball. Um, this is what I want to do. So uh, St. Francis, Brooklyn, at two and three, like, you know, you're probably, a, you could be a week away from being in the top four in the conference. Yeah, absolutely. That's what the parody is doing right now. And that's kind of our third point here is the parody is here. Once again, you got, you know, FDU and St. Francis university atop the, the league standings, but then you have six teams between three and two, three and three and two and three and St. Francis Brooklyn is right in there. I mean, you look at it, there are, you know, home teams are 12 and 12 thus far in league play. Only one game has been decided by 20 or more points. And I know we're, we're only a third of the you know, conference season in, but buckle up. I think it's going to be fantastic drama over the next final weeks. Yeah, it's been a fun three weeks so far. Six to go. Teams are bunched up in the standings. Can't wait to see how it all plays out. That was this week's three-point shot. Time for our NEC Open Mic now, and we bring in FDU's Grant Singleton, graduate student guard for the Red Hot Knights. 5-0 and in league play. As we said earlier, matching the second best start in school history. And for Grant, he is our NEC co-player of the week. Uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you for having me. All right, Grant, why don't you take us through this past weekend, a road sweep up at Central, then at Stonehill, two tough games. You averaged 19 points, five rebounds a game. Take us through, what's it like playing on the road? It's, it's never easy. Anytime you can win two away from your home, that's good news. Right. Um, the toughest part for us is uh, basically, obviously, um, two away games, conference games, you know, those are the toughest games that you can play. But uh, just staying together as a team, uh, we know the crowd is not going to be on our side. We might not have many fans to, you know, get our momentum going. But um, our hard work and our preparation makes up for more than makes up for that. So. Grant, in those two games, you really set the tone in the first half. Against Stonehill, you had four threes, and a few of them were really deep. I mean, I don't know if – clearly Coach Anderson doesn't doesn't give you a red light in any way, but how important is it for you to kind of set the tone for the offense because you guys were flying early, especially against Stonehill? Um, whenever I get a chance uh, – whenever I make my first shot, uh, the team does a, does a great job of, you know, trying to get more shots to the, to the high hand and, I happened to be the high hand at that time. So uh, I was glad I could just get us going while we're on the road. Yeah. And, you know, you, ha you have an innate ability to finish in transition. Is that something that you've always, that you've developed over the years with coach Anderson and his scheme, or have you always had that going into AAU ball in high school? Um, it's something I've, I've developed, uh, getting stronger, you know, uh, faster, getting used to the pace that we play at. Um, being able to finish is very, very important because we, you know, we create turnovers and get out in transition. So, you know, being finished, being able to finish is very important. Yeah, you know, coaches and players, they, they love talking about playing up-tempo, playing fast, but a lot of it doesn't come to fruition because players don't put in the work to get into elite condition. Kind of take me through, and you've been in it for five years now with Coach Anderson. What does it take to be someone who plays at frenetic pace that FDU does? Oh, we just don't, we just don't blink. Um, we play so fast that, you know, fatigue sets in and, you know, that can really derail the teams, derail a team from playing at that pace. And, you know, we had to slow it down, but 
our preparation in the off season and the preseason, we just we uh, get used to that, and it help it helps us continue to stay with that throughout the game. Hey, Grant, if I set up a 40-yard uh, dash between you and Dimitri, who's winning that? Oh, I definitely got it. All right, wow. I'm just checking. Got it. <laughs> Dimitri's fast. That's just He's fast, a... though. He's definitely fast. He's definitely... <laughs> what are we talking, like a 4-2-4-40? What are we going to run here? Uh, I don't know. I think I got a 4 flat in me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to get back to something Ryan said. Now, you, you've been with Coach Anderson now for five years, four of them at St. Thomas Aquinas, where you had this amazing success um, what is it about Coach Anderson that had you stuck it all this way with him? I'm sure you might have had chances to transfer and move up earlier in your career. What is it about Coach Anderson, Coach Anderson that's so special? Um, he just believed in me very early on. Um, my freshman year, my my sophomore year, I didn't have great numbers. I wasn't playing a lot. But then um, he just helped me develop into a great player. And it started to show on the court. And I really, I really just trusted him, trusted the process, and it led to wins and led to my my numbers going up and me being an overall better player. You've you've also been with Dimitri Roberts for for all this time now. Um, you play a ton of minutes together. You seem to have great chemistry on the court. Do you kind of know what you're going to do, what he's going to do, without him saying anything? Is there that sixth sense between the two of you? Yeah, uh, I'm sure he knows this by now, but. Sometimes I tell him I'm just playing off of you. He he draws so much attention from the defense that, you know, it just makes it easier for me. And when I get a chance and he's having an off night, I try to take the pressure off of him, you know, make it easier for him in, um, in certain situations. You guys must have a system where you shoot each other a glance, either after the play or during the play, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> You're, I'm sure you're not going to get into the secret sauce with that, right? I mean, nah, I still, we're still in conference play. We, <laughs> we have yet to play teams twice, so I can't, I can't get the sauce out yet. Oh, that's disappointing, Grant. But, you know, in all seriousness, you know, you've played, going into your fifth season in FDU, you played 111 straight games in your career. So you've been like an Ironman. You kind of have like a, you had a Cal Ripken streak going. And then I go to Queens, you know, right before Christmas, and you missed the game because you turned an ankle. Were you were you like, Coach Anderson, come on, I got a streak going. I I don't need to sit with this one out. Let me play a couple minutes at least. Yeah, yeah. We, I always have a fight with him and the trainers about it because I never like to sit out a game. Um, the, the same thing happened with NJIT. I was like, I got to go out there. If you got to take my ankle four or five times, I got to go out there. But they they finally got to me and just told me to rest. Yeah, you know, obviously you're playing at a high level, but how important is it to you to to be available to your team all the time as well, to never miss any time on the court? Um, it's, it's very important to me, um, especially with practices. I don't like to just sit out practices just because um, of an injury and then come back during the game. I, I feel like all that's important. And um, being able to get those minutes and, you know, any minute is important. If I can give two, three minutes of my experience, then I would always like to be of value to my team. Yeah, and my last one, Grant, you know, I, I, I kind of dropped the ball when I was researching you in the offseason because I looked at your senior year numbers and they were a little bit down. You're 12 points per game, uh, 47% from the field, only 30, 31% from three. I didn't go back, though, and see your junior numbers, which were really good. And now your fifth year level is the same as your junior level. You're making 39% from three. You're over 50% from the field. What has been the difference going from your senior year to your fifth year now? at the level you're playing at, which is a very high level, probably a top five in the league type of level. 
Um, just just adjusting to teams um, paying so much attention to me, knowing what I can do and what I you know what I need to work on because uh, obviously teams scouting, and if I keep being basic and doing the same things, then it's going to be easier for them to find out. So I, I just basically been working on things that I normally couldn't do and just perfecting those things. Grant, you had this amazing success at Stack uh, the last few years, you know, deep NCAA runs. Um, what does FDU need to do to reach championship level the rest of this season? Um, just consistency. Right now we're playing, we're playing at a very high level, practicing at a very high level. Um, and uh, just keep just being the hardest playing, toughest team. Um, we're, we're about to go into uh, where we play, start playing teams twice and they're going to start getting used to our system. But if we just uh, stay consistent, you know, keep working hard, keep preparing the way we're preparing, we should be all right. Well, they've been more than all right so far. Five and oh in NEC play to start the season for FDU. Grant, thanks so much time for spending time with us on our open mic. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Time for the NEC heat check. And I've already alluded to him earlier. Tedrick Wilcox Jr. had himself quite a week. Uh, 21 and a half points a game, shot the lights out from three-point range. Ryan, why don't you tell me a little bit about Tedrick's week? I've been waiting for Tedrick to get going this season. He's simply too talented to not be a bucket in this league. And you kind of look at his skill set, his versatility to make shots, make plays, his length at 6'6". And to me, he's like the perfect type of swingman in this league. You know, over his last three games, he's made 11 of 18 from deep. He's finishing shots at the rim. And, you know, I know we don't have an under-the-radar category for guys anymore, Ron, but, you know, the way <laughs> Tedrick was going in the non-conference, he's kind of coming out from under the radar here. But he's he's a superstar. He's got all-conference talent, and he's flashing it now, especially without Rob Higgins in the lineup for St. Francis Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I love his game. I enjoy watching him play. I love his bounce. He's some, some crazy dunks. And then he was hitting threes from well beyond three-point range, like 25, 27 footers on Saturday. He can really do it all. And it's that versatility that I think, especially with uh, Rob Higgins out, that's uh, helping the Terriers at this point. Yeah, last year he was more of a three-point guy. And, you know, he kind of kind of jumped onto the scene when he uh, hit a bunch of three-pointers against St. John's early in the non-conference in his junior year. But now... Glenn, Glenn Brake is looking for more versatility in his game, more ability to get off the bounce, ability to finish in traffic around the rim, and he's certainly doing that right now. All right, next up on our heat check, let's go to Wagner's Delani Hunt, who, by the way, had another unreal slam in um, Monday's game against Merrimack going baseline, lefty, just a six-footer, incredible. But that was a big, big win for Wagner. They needed that. They were one and three. They go into Merrimack, who always gives them fits. And in one of those battles, defensive battles that you expect between these two teams, they come out on top with it with a strong late, uh, late run. Yeah, Delaney Hunt's been terrific of late. You know, 39 points, seven assists, one turnover, shooting 52% from the field in his last two games. And the, he's a one-man fast break. He really opens up his game, though, when he's hitting three-pointers and you know, he, he made three triples in that Merrimack game to give them some much-needed firepower against that zone. And, uh, you know, Ron, throw out some historical comps for me when it comes to Hunt's speed and ability to go from backcourt to, to the front of the offensive rim. I mean, there's not too many who can match his speed, I, I, even historically, if you go back a decade. 
Yeah, there's there's not too many. We I think we talked about it last week. We were talking about Junior Robinson, Dimitri Roberts, like Grant Singleton, who of course just told us that he's faster than Dimitri Roberts. Like we there's 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 not as not too many end to end guys. Jeremy Good from Mount St Mary's back in the day was really really super quick too. So yeah, it it he's another guy that uh, he can change the game with his um with his speed and if he's hitting threes that's what Wagner needs. They need someone to knock, knock those shots down from the perimeter. Yeah. Him and Javier Scarra and, you know, um, Price Noel have done a good job at times stretching the floor for Wagner. And that's something they have plenty of ability getting downhill. They have guys who could do that, but when they could stretch the defense out and hit those threes, it really opens up their offense. Yeah. When you talk about hitting threes, uh, one player that's been doing it consistently all year, Sacred Hearts, Joey Riley, he's been, like I wrote about it in this week's uh, NEC release, just his consistency from game to game. And he's picked it up in league play as well. And Sacred Heart needs that. Yeah. Who would have thought that Joey Riley would be second on the team in minutes midway through the season. And they've been highly efficient minutes to say the least. And, you know, yeah. his, his shot, you know, it's so uncomplex, you know, it's like quick, it's fluid. It's, uh, you know, and it's yielded, you know, 56% from the mid-range two game, 40% from three, 84% from the line. And not only that, as you alluded to, the consistency, he scored in double figures in six straight games. He's been the backbone for Anthony Latina's offense, especially given the injuries that the team has had with Aiden Carpenter, with Brandon McGuire missing a bunch of time. Even Mike Sixsmith has been banged up, uh, you know, once in a while. So, Joey Riley's just been fantastic for Sacred Heart, kind of stabilizing that backcourt. Just while we're on this, do you think that uh, Brendan McGuire and his ability to just slip passes to guys from all angles, you're the analytics guy. Are they getting more open looks? Is he facilitating some of the improved shooting that you may be seeing? I think so. Yeah, he's got Anthony, you know, told me in the preseason that this guy has elite floor vision, kind of like Phil Gaetano, like, you know, where, you know, you can kind of see the play ahead of time. He could find a, he could fit that ball into tight windows, you know, with the bounce pass or just, just having that sixth sense of like, this guy's open, even though I'm not looking over there, kind of having that. And Brandon McGuire has been doing that. So the combination with McGuire and obviously Riley shot making and then six Smith, when he gets hot, uh, that definitely opens things up for the Pioneers offense. And they certainly have the chance now at three and two to kind of make some noise. Yeah. McGuire's he's a joy to watch. And it's it, I'll, anyone who can knock these shots down like Joey Riley does it. That's always fun to watch. So uh, Sacred Heart sitting pretty right now, uh, three and two in the standings. And that's our NEC heat check. Next up is our stat chat. We're going to go right back to FDU and talk about their bevy of three-point shooters that they can throw out there at any time. Yeah, they're undefeated for a reason, you know, and, and you know, if you're Tobin Anderson, you know, this team can just shoot at all levels. You know, the, you look at their numbers right now, they're leading league play with a 41.3% mark behind the arc. They're first in effective field goal percentage at 56%. First at two-point field goal percentage at 52%. And the last time FDU, or any team for that matter, in league play, shot over 40% from deep. You have to go back five years. The 2018-19 Fairleigh Dickinson Knights, led by Darnell Edge, Jaleel Jenkins, Caleb Bishop, they shot 42% from deep for the whole season. And in fact, had the fifth best three-point field goal percentage in the country over the entirety of their championship season. So 
Tobin Anderson's squad making shots at a high level right now, and that's why they're five and zero in league play. Yeah, I mean, look, you gotta, you have to pick your poison. I think if you're a defense, they'll drive by you, they'll shoot over you. Um, these players on FDU. So, by the way, while we're while we're at it, Darnell Edge, Jaleel Jenkins, Dimitri Roberts, Grant Singleton, like those are two like two of the best sets you know guard sets that we've seen here in a while like you could start making those comparisons now I know I know that they're one-year players because they're grad students and and Edge and Jenkins were there for the long haul but that's it's it's not that far off to make that comparison right oh yeah 100 percent. just because they're they're high level of play you know you look at their numbers now and Maybe Ron, you could get like a charity two-on-two matchup between that. <laughs> That'd be fun. Dimitri, we we talk about fast guys. What about Jaleel Jenkins? Yeah, Jaleel Jenkins. We forgot him. You're absolutely, forgot you're him. absolutely right. So I mean, him against Dimitri right. Roberts and Singleton against Darnell Edge. The thing oh, with my goodness. The thing with Roberts and Edge, you know, kind of compare those two guys because we we spoke with we we spoke with Grant earlier is uh, they could make a high level of their three-point shots, but they also have an efficient pull-up game. They can really stroke it from mid-range, and that's kind of a lost art these days in college basketball. But when you could do that, when you could score all three levels, coaches say it all the time, but a lot of times it's not really true. But we've seen the proof in the pudding with, with Grant Roberts and Darnell Edge in terms of making mid-range shots and just keeping the defense honest. Yeah, Edge got so good at that by the time he was a senior, just added to his game and he he, he blossomed into a first team all conference talent. So that was that was a great chat, a great stat chat here on the NEC Overtime Pod. Now we hit our NEC game of the week. What do you got this time, Ryan? So Sacred Heart's got a very pivotal weekend up ahead, you know, two tough road games at FDU and then at Wagner. So after they take care of the Knights, I'm looking forward to Sacred Heart Wagner, a game that I'll be broadcasting on Sunday afternoon on NEC front row. And, you know, if you look at the pioneers, you know, Brandon McGuire, we mentioned him earlier. He's really facilitating the offense right now, but there's nothing like that ball pressure defense that Wagner, you know, elicits, especially when you cross half court, they make it very uncomfortable for you. They get up in your face. Very curious to see how McGuire, Riley and the backcourt really handle that pressure. And then Wagner, you know, they're, they're going to try to attack off live ball turnovers. Sacred's got to take care of the basketball here or else you have, you're going to have guys like Ascara, Hunt, Zaire Williams getting out in transition and punishing the pioneers. So Big time matchup. These two did not play last year because the pandemic canceled the game. So I'm really looking forward to Sacred Heart at Wagner on Sunday. It should be a good one. I hope they put an ISO camera on you, Ryan, while you're announcing this game, <laughs> seeing you dripping sweat as you're sweating out another close game. <laughs> I have to keep it neutral, right? I am an objective <laughs> broadcaster. I will not show any favoritism. I will not be yelling uh, when Sacred Heart, if they make a shot or something late in the game, I promise you that. Ryan, always elevating his game. The next Jay Billis right here on uh, that we have as a host. Um, if you can't be at the games, as always, you can catch them on NECfrontrow.com or the NEC on the Run series of apps. Uh, another eight-game week this week. Hopefully we'll see from that a little more clarity in the standings, but I'm, I'm guessing that it won't happen. So that's it for our NEC Game of the Week. That's a wrap on this week's NEC on the Run. Ryan, as always, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Ron. And thanks to Grant Singleton for spending time with us on our open mic. We look forward to this week's games, and we will see you next week.